It's 4 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Woohoo! There we go. All right, you guys finally got that working, and welcome to the big show. I am super excited this week to welcome the band Indre from Akron, Ohio. Hello, ladies and gents. Uh, on our right, we have Maddie. And next to her, her brother, Angelo. And I actually met Maddie at the road rally a few weeks ago. She came up to the stage uh, after I finished the paneling and kind of quietly said, Hi, my name's Maddie. My brother and I are here from Akron, Ohio. We're in a band called Indre. And just wanted to let you know that we're really enjoying the road rally. And I said, Thanks. Really glad you guys came. And she gave me a little round business card with their name on it. And that night I got up to my room, my hotel room, and I was hanging up my shirt and I pulled out the little card and I went, oh yeah, I should check them out. Which honestly, I rarely, if ever do, um, certainly during the road rally, because I just get a ton of stuff and check it out after. But I went online and checked out the band and went, they are doing so much right. I'm really proud of these guys. And just double checking the chat room to make sure that everybody's got me. Um, anyway, uh, they're getting so much right. And I thought, you know, I get people that walk up to me all the time at the rally and go, how do I get a manager? How do I get a manager? And honestly, um, I have mixed feelings about that. But, uh, you know, this band is a band that someday a big manager will come calling for. Um, and I believe a major label will come calling for them. So I am here to interview them today so that you guys can see what it takes as a DIY band to get to the point where the public loves you, you build a fan base, and the major labels and management come after you. So, hello again, and thanks for doing this. Hello. Hello. Hi. Thanks um, for having us. <laughs> uh, you are so welcome. Uh, I'm excited that you could join me. And I thought, as I started watching your videos, I said, I know these guys are doing this stuff DIY, but they're getting so much right. And I will ask you about that later because the videos are pretty darn high quality for what I'm guessing was done on a shoestring budget. So I wanna hear about that. Um, and I know that Maddie, you started out as a singer songwriter, as a solo act um, six or seven years ago, I think. How long did you do that? And at what point did you decide that you wanted to form a band? Well, I started when I was like 15, 16. Um, I just played the coffee shops and I started writing songs and like I loved it. And uh, I went to Kent State for a year and I decided I was like, I really want to make this a band because well, I like rock music. It's like my favorite. and. I just wanted more energy, and it's hard to, you know, have that kind of energy with just my guitar, like me by myself. <laughs> so I asked my brother if he wanted to do it with me, and he said yes. And then we got a band together, and we've been, like, playing all over. And so I did it for, like, I want to say three years alone, and then I started the band. Yeah, we actually just had our three-year anniversary over the holiday. Oh, very yeah. cool. So... I've got to ask you, you know, how do you get other people to join a band? Do you have a phone that I keep hearing go bleep bleep? Or is that on my end? Um, or it's on your computer, maybe? Uh, that, might be, 
that might be my end. I can, it's on him. <laughs> I can I can fix that up. All the time. All right, <laughs> if you would please. Um, so, I mean, what do you do? You know, want to go on the road for months at a time, not see your family or friends, live in a converted bus, play some shows where there are more people on the stage than there are in the audience, eat a lot of top ramen. I mean, what was your pitch to get the other people to join the band? Oh, I just said it would be fun. And it has been fun. <laughs> All <laughs> right. It's like it is a lot. It's a lot of work, but like, I don't know. It's like I don't want to do anything else. And I know it takes that to, you know, grow. You have to, you know, play to empty rooms, and sometimes and sleep on floors. So we're doing that sometimes, you know. So and we're having a great time. What do you guys do when you're on the road? Um, first of all, I looked at your tour schedule, your past shows, and mind-blowing how many shows. Um, and I know that you booked the shows yourself, so I want to ask you about that in a little bit. But So when you guys are out on tour, you're not staying at like a Marriott or a Hilton. Um, tell me about touring yeah. life. Um, you know, where do you stay? What do you make enough money from the shows to sustain the touring? All that stuff. Yeah. So this last tour was so we've done a lot of regional runs, like New York City, Nashville, um, Chicago. This summer we did our first national tour, and I booked it. And um, so, like, how we do that? We use this app called Couch Surfers. We're not making hotel money yet, so we. Couchsurfers is, I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's kind of like Airbnb, but it's free. And, you know, the thing is, like, your host wants to spend time with you. And it's really cool. They usually come to the show, um, and we make new friends, like, every single night and sleep on their couches. And um, it's, like, a really cool community. It's, like, it's this whole other layer of DIY touring that I just didn't know that we were going to get to experience. And then we did. And it's like really cool. It's one of my favorite parts. Um, so that's how we like, that's how we like the accommodations, like where we land for the night. Sometimes we sleep on the bus, sometimes. Um, Very seldom. Yeah, it is kind of hard to sleep on that bus, yeah. but we do sometimes. Um, and like, you know, the shows get us from place to place, gas tank wise. We're able to feed ourselves. We shop together, we cook together. Um, and yeah, like it's just it's growing. This past tour that was the experience. This next tour, um, we just met this guy named Sky. He's great. He works for Clear Productions. He's now our booking agent, and he got us on the road with this band called The Happies. So that starts in March. Um, we're doing four weeks on the road with them. The tour itself is two months long, so we're four weeks like are on our own, and then four weeks like supporting them. So the shows will be bigger, some of them, and it'll be really fun. It's just like. You know, we're going to keep on going at it and growing. And yeah, I rambled. Sorry. No, that's okay. <laughs> We've got 90 minutes. You can ramble whenever you want. Um, it's not like this is professional TV. It's taxi TV. <laughs> um, so how did you put the funds together to do that first tour? I mean, I'm assuming there are five of you in the band, right? Or four? Yeah. There's five of us. Five. Okay. So... First of all, I mean, everybody's got to like, okay, for the next couple of months, we're not working. We don't have an income. Um, how do you convince people to join a band where 
you're chasing the dream going on the road, but you're giving up your income and you're going to be couch surfing. And yes, I believe you. Sounds like fun, except for the couch surfing part, because I don't know. I like hotel rooms. What can I say? Um, but yeah, I mean, what happens if the person hosting you for couch surfing is like an axe murder or something? <laughs> that just went really dark. Well, uh, well, luckily, luckily, we have only had We've one bad experience. For the most part. <laughs> <laughs> for the most part? We have yeah. 49 fantastic experiences. It's like a 95% success rate, 98. They have reviews and background checks. Oh, and, good. you know, we have judgment. And if uh, we've never had to really leave other than like one time. But, you know, you just leave. Right. And then you're fine. Um, do you bring bear spray with you? <laughs> 100%. For bears, too. You never know. Like, so we on this last tour and we ran into like some wildlife. It was crazy. We did, yeah. We, we almost got attacked by a deer on our last It tour. was a deer. This is so not related. I'm sorry. That's okay. But, I, I've actually uh, got a recording of a guy being attacked in a phone booth by a deer from like 35, 40 years ago. A guy was literally in a phone booth and a deer came up and barged its way into the phone booth standing on its hind legs and was like hoofing him to death. It was awesome. Um, okay, so you... you Again, how how did everybody just like walk away from your life, your jobs? I mean, well, it's definitely an alternative lifestyle. I think you know, in the music industry today, you, I mean, unless you're really really lucky, for the good portion of it, the beginning, you're going to be you know DIY, making a lot of sacrifices to do what you love, and I think that that's what it really comes down to, like. You know, we're lucky to have people that really love it, like, and want to grow it and, you know, understand that it takes eating ramen sometimes, you know, and like we, our guitar player quit his full time job to do this and just completely changed so much about his life. And um, him and I do like different remote jobs. That's how we do it. Like yeah. I'm a yoga teacher between doors, and I can teach online, too. Um, and yeah, we just, we save up in between tours and then we just go and it is, it's different. You make sacrifices, but it's so worth it because we get to play music all the time and yeah. it's growing. So you never get anywhere in life without making sacrifices. So, and it was obvious to me when I checked you guys out that night at the beautiful Weston hotel during the road rally that you guys were, were doing all the right stuff. What is your job um, that you can do remotely, Angelo? Um, so I did finish school here in town at Akron University and I got my degree in computer science. So whenever we have off seasons, I take contract work. I've got some friends at school who do startups and stuff. And, oh, cool. Uh, it's enough to at least support me living at home, you know. I'm not making a ton of money off that. Like, I just try and compartmentalize, you know, work here on the side and then focus on touring when it's touring time. Yeah. Um, and I remember that Maddie told me that you guys are like best friends. Is it hard being a... a Angelo, can you scoot to your left, get a little closer to Maddie? You're coming a little bit out of frame there. See that? Because you're best friends. So is it good? There you go. Uh, is it 
good having a sibling in a band together? Um, or do you bring family issues into the band? How does that work? Yeah, it's it's wonderful. Uh, he asked me. He asked you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Um, it's great. You know, sometimes she hogs us. No, I'm kidding. I'm totally kidding. Um, I love him. We have a very rock-solid support system with each other, and we have a telepathic sense of humor. So mm -hmm. long bus rides go by very quickly when we're sitting next to each other. And uh, that translates to on stage too. We have a good time together when we're performing. Um, as with any family, there's always going to be times where you're on each other's nerves, you know, but that goes for the other band members too. So it's pretty much a great situation overall. Yeah, and I'm guessing wonderful. that you guys are in your early to mid twenties. Um, so, mm -hmm. are your parents as supportive of you both as you are of each other? Yes, our parents are really supportive. That's great. Um, yeah, it, it would be a bummer to be out on the road working your butt off for something that you believe in so deeply, and having your family like you kids are crazy. Um, yeah, my parents were not fans of me working in the studio. They thought I was working in like dingy dungeons with a bunch of heroin addicts. And I said, no, it's a really nice place. And half the people are not heroin addicts. So it's okay, mom and dad. They got over it. Um, so what is the ultimate goal for you guys? Well, I just, you know, we're working on an album right now. And I'm like, really proud of the songs and I can't wait that's what's next like we're we're touring a ton next year a good like our first tour starts in March March 8th and it runs through May 5th yeah um we're gonna do the album and then go play more shows we're touring a ton next year um but like you know down the road I just I want to I want this to you know sustain everybody in the band financially and just be able to do it and not really have to worry about doing anything else. I think that, and you know, I want to do more traveling. Like I want to play in another country. That's a goal of mine. Yeah. Um, travel. I mean, what's the ultimate you? goal? I mean, do you guys, you know, are you working toward being a giant hit band? Or are you taking it one day at a time? You know, what's the big picture? Are we working on doing what? Being a, a, you a household name, being a band that everybody knows and that millions love. I mean, yeah. obviously everybody, all musicians want that. Um, are you? Of course we want that. Okay. Um, and that I looked at your tour schedule from last year and you guys were playing, I don't know, three, four, sometimes maybe even five shows in a week which is a lot for a baby band that's just starting out to doing it all yourself. That's a lot. How did you book all those shows? How did what? Sorry. How you're did... you're kind of like echoing. Oh, okay. Sorry about that. To... How did you book all those shows? No, well, I, I really bugged a lot of people. I called and called and called and I just like I emailed, I emailed, I emailed. So like the first thing I did, I had templates, depending on the kind of venue, if it was like a concert club, if it was a pub, if it was, you know, a big fish venue and I was submitting to open for someone. I had like three different templates um, like that, you know, introduced us and I would like tweak them for each single pitch to like, 
I don't know, make it more personal. But um, also, it was a template because I had a lot of e a lot of emails to send. Um, and I would do that first, and then I would follow up, and then I'd follow up again, and then I would call, and I would just do it until people said yes. And um, it's like that's how I went about reaching out to people. But as far as routing, I had anchor dates. Like I had, you know, where we started, where we wanted to end up halfway through, where we, you know, in between spot, and then on the way. Like I had like maybe four to six anchor dates, and then I would just fill in between the dates. And um, it worked out. It worked out. I had like little goals every week to keep myself like on track to do it. It took me, I want to say three months to book that. How many shows did you do in that tour? Uh, 19. 19 right. in a month. And so when you would send a couple of emails, and I think it was great that you used templates and you recognize not all venues are the same, so you had templates for different kinds of venues. How did you find out who the person was at the venue that you needed? Who was the decider? And how did you get their email and their phone number? Well, a lot of times the website, the website itself has a booking, you know, a you, which you fill that out. But I would always go on Facebook too and look at the email address on the Facebook page because oftentimes that was a direct contact to somebody doing the booking. So I did that. Um, that's what I did. <laughs> Sounds smart. Um, I, you know, there had to be on any given day 20 other bands that were reaching out to that same person. So why do you think it is that they responded to you versus the other 19? I think persistence, just keep on reaching out and then they check you out. And I think, I think we sound pretty good. And it's like, as long as you, as long as you can get them to click on it, <laughs> then it works, I think. Right. Yeah, I mean, you guys are a pop rock band. You have a very commercial sound, and you sound like yourself, uh, which is really important. Um, you know, there's always been a problem in the professional side of the music industry when somebody hears an act and they go, yeah, I like them, but they sound like, and they mention another act. You know, nobody wants somebody that's completely derivative. It's okay to be derivative of three or four or five things that are amalgamated into one thing that sounds unique enough and original enough, but nobody wants a, a sound alike. So I think you guys have done that really, really well, listening to your stuff. First of all, um, you write well for your voice, which is important, and you seem to know who you are as an artist. And I've noticed that Angelo co-writes with you sometimes. You're welcome. Uh, and so mm -hmm. I was wondering, what's your process for writing, um, talk about both kind, when you write by yourself or when you and Angelo write together. Is it music first, lyric second? Is it lyric first, music second? How does it all come together? So as of now, like so far, I've written, I, I've kind of written most of the songs. Like I'll, I'll start with words usually. Um, I free write a lot. Like I'll just, if I'm feeling something really sad, really angry, really happy, I'll just write all the time. And sometimes I'll recognize like a phrase that could fit in a song that just sounds like catchy and I'll highlight it in my notebook. And um, then I sit down with a guitar 
and I put it together like a puzzle. Like I kind of get an idea for a song and then go back through my notebook or my notes on my phone or my voice memo on my phone and kind of just like put the phrases together and then fill in. That's kind of my process. Um, when we co-write, like, so Angelo is really theory-based. He took piano lessons for years. I did not. I am very sing-songy, don't know the names of the chords I'm playing, just know that I'm playing chords. <laughs> and so I feel like I have limits sometimes, and he makes things more interesting. And so if I'm like, this could be better, I'll send it to him and I'll be like, just, you know, come up with a different chord progression or a riff that drives the whole thing. And then he'll send me something back. And that's how we co-write together. Cool. Um, have you crafted your identity as an artist or did it just come out that way? And you went, hmm, sounds like me. I think it was like a, I think it was when I was a solo artist, I think I sounded really folky because I mean, I was just alone with a guitar. Um, and I just, I knew I wanted more energy and I don't know, as it kind of became more confident as I grew up, like grew into the, the artists that I, that we are now, I feel like now I feel like I'm like, we're on to it. Like, I just feel like what the music we're making now is like exactly what, I want to sound like what we want to sound like and just the energy like I'm really happy with where we're at and I think that it wasn't always like that like I think before I lacked a lot of confidence and I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to sound like and then the band started and I was like okay it's going to be a rock band <laughs> and that's kind of how that happened I think that was a, a good choice the your musical identity like I said suits your voice really really well you've got quite a range and you're not afraid to use it and you use it in kind of a quirky way that um is a little bit of a signature um so Thanks. yay on all that stuff um angelo uh when maddie hands something to you and says hey you know i've been messing around with this um and you bust out your theory how are you what do you do to make it more interesting uh you know what it's i don't feel like my process is really as well developed as hers is i mean as a as a writer and an artist i feel like she's got more experience on me and despite being part of this project for the last three years um I, this right now feels like we're really starting the era of doing the nitty-gritty and like figuring out what it's going to look like to actually work together and have that be the aim all the time in the past, like the the one co-write that we have established so far is Passenger Side, and my um, my contribution to that song came across very organically, just in a like a group writing session where the whole band was together and Maddie had brought the lyrics and the melody and played just over like A major throughout the entire song, and it was um, boring. It was a little boring. Like, like, like the drummer at the time had even kind of thought that the song was going to be a dud and he didn't really want to work with it. But we just like messed around and like tried to come up with things on the fly, on the spot, around other people, which is difficult. And um, I'd honestly say I feel like I got lucky in that situation. But I'm trying to hone in on 
where that comes from so that I can do it uh, more consistently, I guess. Uh, Liz just posted the, the link for the YouTube video of Passenger Side, which I listened to twice earlier today, and I love that song, and I think it's a great example of uh, something that started out as nothing but A major and got worked into a full song. Um, and it's also a really good uh, showcase for Maddie's voice doing the high-low thing that she does so well. Uh, it's got great energy. It's a, it's a lot of fun. It's actually got a message. And the video is great. So talk to me about the videos that you guys do because they're quite impressive. I mean, I, I know you guys aren't throwing 50000 or $100,000 at a video. How much cash do you think you spend per video? So I think we're going to answer this question in two parts because we have two different styles of videos that we do. Um, I'll talk about the first one because okay. the first one is um, we work with a videographer named Pete Campbell and his company is called Claymore Pictures. He's amazing. Me and him have teamed up um, on kind of the higher quality stuff because his crew comes in and um, we do most things in-house. Like I make the, I get the costumes together, I make the props, I um. I help produce, I get all the extras, I get, you know, and he manages the crew, and um, we collaborate on, usually I bring the concept of the video, and he brings the creative way to film it, or record it, mm -hmm. and uh, that's how we collaborate there, and that's, um, so as far as a budget for that, we are really lucky to have a nice um, executive producer and great friend. Um, the budget for those videos usually runs around 5000 and we're able to get all of that done. And um, our friend Ken Robinson has helped, and he's been really generous. And we've, we've been able to make some really cool stuff. And Pete's crew also is just like, it's just great to work with them, and they're wonderful. Um, and those are always really fun days, like, to make those videos. It's, it's a stressful week. It's like a wedding. I don't know what it's like to plan a wedding or be in a wedding. Uh, but everyone's, there's just so many moving parts. Like when you're managing a crew, extras, costumes, the band, making sure everyone knows their call times. It is an entirely different hat to wear and like put on that day. Um, but it's so fun. And then um, Angelo has made some really cool DIY stuff. Please, you talk about it. So, yes, it's it's definitely, we, we have in our library videos two distinct types. And there's the one where we have a production crew through Maddie's friend Pete and um, some funding from, like, personal friends of ours. And other times we've done just very independent do-it-yourself videos where we borrow a really small handheld camera from Pete and tear my dad's garage apart and set up some, like, really cheap props the 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 budget for those types of videos we got a couple of them out there now um i think we've spent like no more than 200 dollars on shadow shadow euphoria <laughs> and mm -hmm. the other one was talk about shadow shadow um yeah so I've, I've directed two diy videos uh the most recent of which is called shadow shadow and i remember when the song was just a little baby inkling 
idea having the inspiration for the video concept just based on the title and the lyrical content of the song where I was going to use um, what's called a zoetrope, which is kind of like a shadow casting device if you're not familiar with it. Yeah, it's and, the round thing with uh, slits in it, right? Cool. Yeah. So I like. I remember one day I was just working on a school project and it was not making me very happy. So I, I instead decided to focus on something that gave me a little bit more serotonin, which was um, coming up with the video concept. And I, I had it in my head that the band would be on the inside of the contraption. And so I like kind of did as an inexperienced person trying to make a blueprint would do just sketch in my notebook a big beach umbrella with construction paper hanging down from it with equally spaced slits so it can turn in front of the camera, set all that up in the garage. And it's just a very like, like gorilla type of setup where we're just going at it and trying to do it on a budget. And we're really happy with the finished product, even though maybe it doesn't quite hold up in quality to the production crew versions. It looks pretty great. <laughs> you did such a good job on that. The A-roll looks great. <laughs> Have you seen that B-roll? <laughs> uh, I watched that one earlier today and equally impressive. Uh, I'm telling you, you guys are classic DIY. Um, a, a really dear friend of mine is a gentleman named Tony Van Veen. He's the CEO of Disc Makers. And for about 10 years, he was also the CEO of uh, CD Baby. And we probably met 30 years ago. And whenever we talk, he's on the other coast, but we talk pretty frequently and we talk about uh, DIY acts all the time because they're in that side of the business and taxis mostly in the music licensing side of the business, although we do have a lot of listings for, for labels and such. But um, he and I and, and Rob Shirelli is my closest friend, Rob being a five-time Grammy winning uh, mixer producer. That's what we talk about when we get together. We talk about what is the difference between acts that make it and acts that don't. And everybody's got the desire. I just want to get my music out there. I just want to share my music. I want to share my musical soul. They have all these kind of nondescript, not very focused things. But they, when it comes time to doing the work, most people won't because it's painful and it's hard and you have to hit deadlines and you have to actually do it. And that's what blew me away about you guys. When I saw the tour schedule, I went, okay, this did not happen by accident. And I think, Maddie, when you came up to me at the rally or maybe in a follow-up phone call, at some point early in our relationship, whatever this is, in our professional relationship, you mentioned the fact that um, you did all the booking. And I was really amazed by that because twice in my career, I have temporarily managed major label bands um, because they couldn't find a manager they liked it. And they asked myself and my then business partner to fill in. So I know what it's like. And um, to do it on your own when you haven't done it for anybody else and you don't have somebody to teach it to you. Um, how did you learn what the steps were? How did, how, did you, how did you figure out that you needed templates? How did you force yourself to sit down every day and send out dozens of emails? How, how did, you know, that stuff doesn't happen by accident. How did it happen for you? Well, I just really wanted to do it. I was like, well, 
It's true. She's she's very uninhibited. Like lots of people, I feel like in my personal sphere of people that I know, um, would never just like put the time in to do it, you know. Aww. But um, I don't know. Maddie's just never felt like it wasn't going to happen, you know. From the day that I joined the band, she's like just kind of. Well, I guess, I guess I was just like, well, why, like, why can't we? Like, so I, was <laughs> like, I was like, well, I mean, I had experience booking us regional stuff, and it was a learning curve. Like, I sent things, pitches that just didn't land, and, you know, I learned. Some busts of shows. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, you know, um had like a a year and a half of that under my belt and then it was like national tour let's just go for it let's just try it yeah. <laughs> and then i just i just started i just like started and i think i remember it was just such a rush to land something to get a gig it was so cool when someone said yeah you can play <laughs> and i was like okay and then it was just encouragement keep on booking it you know yeah. And, you know, I'd get days where I was, where it's no, 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 next time, but not now. And that was kind of like, you know, you just kind of start to just whatever. And then you just keep on going. Um, you know, that's a great attitude because same thing would apply to people in music licensing. Uh, you've got to kiss a bunch of frogs before you find the prince, figuratively speaking. And, uh, the fact that you weren't deterred by lack of success, good on you. Um, is there any sort of division of labor elsewhere in the band, or are you the de facto manager and everybody else's job is like from, you know, driving driving the bus? And yeah, I want to talk about the bus. Driving the bus, unloading and loading equipment and getting the stage set up, and then of course performing. Um, are you doing the the majority of all the other stuff, Maddie? I would say, I would say so. I would say the band, I wear the band hat, uh, the video hat. Angela wears that hat sometimes. We trade it. However, share it. I am not a mechanic. Angelo <laughs> has fixed our bus. We have broke we broke down five times on that tour. Yeah. <laughs> And tough days, really Angelo, tough days. we never missed a show though because of him. Wow, like, he knows how to. I, I serviced our Chevy Express 3500 in an O'Reilly parking lot on more than one occasion. Um, how long ago did you buy the bus? Uh, tell us about it and how much did you pay for it? We bought it so, like two weeks before we left. Yeah, <laughs> it was real crunch time. It's like what happened, we did a fundraiser. And we did a fundraising show. Like we were like, well, we have a bunch of new music, so we're just going to, you know, we did a fundraiser, and the rule was you can you can donate any amount, like a dollar, five hundred dollars, anything you want, and you get a ticket to this concert. And the concert was a, an event. We played all new music live. We showed new videos, new new demos, stuff we were working on. It was like a sneak peek kind of thing. Very Kickstarter-esque, you know. I don't know if you've heard of Kickstarter. It's of like course. it's like GoFundMe, but I may be old, yeah. but I'm okay. not ancient. <laughs> I didn't know. I, I didn't know if you knew what that was, but like, it was very much like that. But we used GoFundMe. 
Um, just because, like, you know, Kickstarter makes you give it back if you don't reach your goal. <laughs> GoFundMe right. does not. <laughs> and I, I wasn't sure if we would reach our goal. I didn't know. I didn't know that. That's crazy. Mm -hmm. What was your and goal? And so we put on this Our goal, $10,000. And, um, and did you spend all of that on the bus? We raised we raised five thousand and we spent um four thousand on the bus and then we had some money for repairs because it needed some work and um you should see it it's really it's quite a I noticed that it, it's got like duct tape around the uh the skylight in the ceiling I love that <laughs> when it rains it beeps when it backs up it's That's cool. pretty fun, <laughs> <laughs> and it gets us. It gets us everywhere. How many miles does it have? Only so it had one hundred and fifteen thousand on it when we bought it, but we did just go around the country. So um, now it has what one twenty five. Yeah. It's like not it's so like, bad. That's why we bought it. What year is it? Because we're gonna drive. Oh, uh, two thousand three. Okay. Um, so not that old, um, and I'm sure you guys have seen the movie Almost Famous, right? Yeah. Of course. Have you seen that? I think I have. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, that should be like your movie that you should watch on the road every night. Um, <laughs> and do you, night. when you, I've noticed that you repeat clubs, which is good. I've always had a theory of doing concentric circles for touring. You know, you, you start in your hometown, then you go out 25 miles and 50 miles and 100 miles, and you keep going back to the same clubs without, you know, oversaturating them and stuff. When you go back to the same clubs, are you starting to see that, um, like, your super fans are bringing their friends and you're getting bigger audiences at the same clubs? Yeah, yeah, definitely. One of the coolest experiences ever. So Blacksburg, Virginia, Virginia Tech, like yeah. that town, that's one of my favorite places to play because it was the first town that wasn't our hometown that like we built a significant fan base in. Like every time we go there, that it's packed room, everyone's singing the words. And we're just like, it, at first it was just like, how did we impact this town what is it about us and virginia tech <laughs> but we're really grateful for it and we've noticed that that has happened to other towns too and it's like it's really cool to see what do you think it is that was like the first that why? one so well, why do they, they like love you huh yeah, demographic. i think it's i think it's the type of music they like i think it's a rock and roll town like there's a lot of rock bands in that town um, I think the venue is a good part of it too. The it's, milk parlor is the great coolest vibe. spot right off campus. Mm -hmm. So everybody who's going to school at Virginia Tech knows that they want to see live music. They got to go to Milk Parlor Mondays. And yeah. do you guys do any covers, or or do you do all originals yeah. all the time? We play covers. Um, we so we cover Dreams by the Cranberries. That's mm -hmm. like the one cover that's like a staple in our set. Like we always cover that one. Cause it's just fun and I like to sing it. Um, and then sometimes we do play longer sets just for extra money. Cause sometimes pub shows play better than like an original show in a town where we've never been mm -hmm. like a percentage of the door sometimes is not as great of a deal as like taking a flat rate at a pub and at the pub they want covers. So we, we do that sometimes for sure. Um, if you don't, mm -hmm. If you don't mind me asking, what is a typical flat rate uh, that you would get for a pub gig? 
for a three-hour set, it can go around from 500 to 800 Okay. for a pub. So set. not terrible. And if you do a couple of those or a few of those a week, it's enough to buy gas and top ramen, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, do you have a regular work schedule? Like, you know, when you're on the road, let's say you did a show last night and, <coughs> excuse me, now you've woken up from the couch and you've had some coffee and you're out the door and you've got to drive 120 miles to your next gig. Um, as soon as you get in the bus, um, do you start a work day? Do you have any sort of routine and schedule and like a, a to-do list for every day? It varies. Um, it I mean, we're all different. Everyone does different kind of work. A lot of times what we'll do, we'll make, an, we'll make a point to go. This also works for like time away from each other. We'll go into a town, or we'll make sure we arrive to the next town we're playing in, like a few hours early, so that uh, so and so can go to the coffee shop and work on their laptop, or so and so can go to the gym. You know, like that's kind of how we do our work. We like stop in the town, and it's nice alone time too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know. Um... It's got to be tough being with a group of five people. You're one of five people every day for a couple or a few months at a time. And you're away from, you know, relationships, I guess. I mean, obviously, you're away from your parents and your friends at home, boyfriends, girlfriends, husbands, and wives. Um, does that take a toll on the band where it's like, you know, this is fun, guys, but I really miss my girlfriend and we want to get married soon. So... Love you, but I'm out. Go find yourself another bass player, drummer, guitarist, whatever. Does that stuff happen? Has it happened? Yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, we're going through a little bit of a lineup change right now, actually. Um, it's just part of it. You know, like, we've had people come and go. Ange and I are always in this. You know, it's brother-sister <laughs> band. Right. Uh, but, I mean, and it is what it is, you know. The, like the show goes on and it's great because the energy's revived and we we keep going um our guitar player chris has been with us for a long time he's really great we love chris um yeah yeah i mean it's like people do miss their girlfriends miss their boyfriends you know it happens yeah homesick sometimes yeah. too um like it's it's cool too because when we when we were on the road in August for our, our full month long tour, that was whenever I had felt like the most inspired to create because like we're just out there and we're doing it and you can see like how much is going to evolve and what the potential is whenever you're actually out there across the country doing it, and nothing felt like worse than having all of that. Um, motivation and like no no means to create from my little bus seat you know yeah uh it's i'd, I'd crave to be back home where we can actually like like do do writing so that's why i'm excited i'm excited to have like a phase of things where uh we're on tour and then we're home for writing season and then it's touring season and writing season and the back and forth is going to be important it's nice to have seasons like that i, I agree it's cool because like you know it, i mean you have to have time to process everything cool that you've just done and then write about it. So it's cool to have like an off season, kind of, you know? 
No, I, I totally get it. Back in my studio days, I always saw bands come in and really struggle when they did their sophomore album. If they were lucky enough to come out of the gate and have a hit on the first album, which was rare, but it did happen, and they would go out and tour to support the first record, but they were so busy touring, and you know now they've got a publicist and a manager and an agent and a lawyer and the whole team of people that keeps them busy all the time, and they know they've got four months off and they've got to go make an album, and they realize they don't have any material. They had five or 10 years to write the first album, and now they have four months to write the second album. So I, I've seen that pressure. Um, and yeah, enjoy those seasons while you can. Uh, let's talk about marketing, Maddie. Um, it sounds like you're the person that does that stuff. So um, social media, I mean, clearly your generation um, has mastered social media. Is there one form of social media that you find is best for getting butts, well, I was going to say butts and chairs at the shows. Is there one form of social that gets people out to shows, whether they're sitting or standing? I would say Instagram and Facebook, for sure. Um, TikTok's great to get people to listen to your music, but I think to get people at specific shows in certain towns, Instagram and Facebook are really great because you can do targeted ads, and that has always, that helps. We did that on this past tour and it, it worked pretty well um we had people we, i would ask i was like how'd you find out and they're like oh we saw the ad and it worked so so targeting your ad so you look for 18 to 30 demographic let's say in chillicothe ohio or wherever the town is and you can zero in on that specific thing or can you target getting more specific like well, pe people who've gone to this particular club before Talk to me about that. Yeah. There's a really great TikTok video by this creator, this content creator. His name is Bacon Bits. His real name is Matt. <laughs> but he does, <laughs> he does a lot of, like, music content. And he has a, a video that specifically instructs you how to set up a targeted ad to get people at shows. And it's interesting because... Of course, you can target the age group. You can target the location. And you want to make sure that you don't oversaturate it. So, like, you want to be really specific and niche there. And, like, you also want to write down, like, bands that, you know, you sound like or that are in your genre. Like, I usually include about five of those. I pick, like, five. Like, I don't know. Uh, currently current. You know, like Paramore, um, Miley Cyrus, um, Blink-182. There's a punk aspect to, to what we're doing. Yeah. Um, just, I, uh, I usually pick three to five of those. And it'll tell you, like, how well it thinks it's going to do. So it gives you a prediction. And then... Are the predictions also, somewhat accurate? I would say so. The engagement, I've checked, it has been pretty... And like people have shown up and you know it has worked <laughs> um sorry i cut cool. you off like, you, were, you were about to elaborate and now i can't remember what you're going to elaborate on um uh, oh you're good it just basically told me how to set it up and it was interesting and it worked it was like interesting to just try it out and then see it work 
So do you have to then, let's say you get on the bus the morning after a show and you've got two days before your next show and you're going 150 miles to get to that show. Do you, is that when you do the work of, uh, do you have connectivity um, so that you can do that work on the road in the bus and that's when you start looking at some form, some anal uh, analytics for the ads and how how far in advance of the shows do you run the ads and when do you place them? I set, I set up ads about a month before the show. Oh, wow. Um, I find that that works pretty good within our budget. Um, I usually, I usually, so there's two ways you can do it. You can throw like a certain amount of dollars per day at the ad, or you, you can do like a smart, um, click the, you know, when people are most active mm -hmm. and say you want to spend $30 total on the ad and it'll distribute that $30. Like it'll run it at times when people are most active in that area. And, um, then it's like, that's how I do it. I like just, I do a flat, I don't, I don't want to spend more than 20, $30 on the ad. And then I click the button that says it's only going to run the ad and spend money when people are online. And then I check the analytics about a week before the show just to see how it's doing. And then I compare it to the pre-sales. Like a game. Yeah. Uh, have you ever tried but, like doubling or tripling your ad spend just as an experiment to see if you get two or three X on the number of people that show up? I haven't. It, to be honest, it hasn't been within our budget. That's why. <laughs> but I'd love to try that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I would be very curious if, you know, 30 bucks is your spend for a show. And especially in a market that you've been to before, and you know that you spent 30 bucks and you got, you know, 100 people out to the show, just pulling a number out of thin air. Um, the next time you go back, what if you doubled it? You know, uh, if you spent sixty dollars, would you get um, two hundred people at the show? Anyway, yeah, I'm a marketing nut. I, I've read hundreds of marketing books, and I love it. I, some people uh, read romance novels. I read marketing books, and uh, I feel like I'm totally winging it. Like I watched a TikTok video. I am not an expert. <laughs> I just tried. But you're becoming an expert from doing it, you know? And, uh, okay, so I'm looking through my questions to see if there's anything that I haven't asked on this general subject. Um, you, got, you mentioned that you got an agent um, for this upcoming tour and that some of the shows are booked as the opener for the Happies and some are solo gigs. How did you get the agent? So we met guy at a show so i actually booked a show with sky he was booking for this venue in Eugene, oregon called world pies it's a pizza place with like this giant stage it was really cool and he booked us and i like worked with him to get the show and he came to the show and he was like wow i really like you guys and we hit it off we all met him and he was like i work for clear productions i am looking to pick up another band he said, let me book a tour for you and see, you know, we try each other out and, um, and then like, we'll, you know, maybe we can do something, make it more like a, you know, I become your permanent agent. Right. And it's great. Like right off the bat, he got us a direct support slot opening up for the happies for four weeks. 
I'm like, yeah, be our agent. That's great. <laughs> so that's how we Wow, that's great because it, it's tough. Uh, you know, like I said, it, the two occasions that I've managed a major label band for six months or a year as a temporary manager until they found something better or somebody better. Um, it was really hard, even when you're signed to a major label and you've gotten an advance from the label and you've gotten an advance from a big publisher. Publishers don't want to sign you as a band until you've got a label deal. Um, and it used to be because they pressed vinyl or they pressed CDs and they knew that they would make their investment back on the mechanical royalties from just numbers of units sold. But it was really hard, even though these acts had a record deal, getting an agent to book them as the opening act for even like a mid-sized baby band, somebody that had one successful record uh, and was maybe re getting ready to release their second album and going out on, on a, a more formalized tour, more professionally run tour, trying to get on one of those and be the opening act at like 1,000 to 2,000 seaters, really, 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 like almost impossibly hard. But that's because there are, you know, 20 of those tours going on on a nationwide basis. So there's only 20 slots and there might be 100 acts that are worthy of playing that slot. So uh, yes, consider yourselves very fortunate that you found this gentleman and you're working well together and, and stuff is happening. Um, He's awesome. Really how many hours fun. a week would you say that you work other than load out, loading in, loading out and playing a gig? How many hours a week are you actually- Like on the band? Yeah. Well, now that we have an agent, it's been great because I could put all the hours I was spending booking into writing music. And that has been, that's been like my biggest thing lately. I've been writing a lot. Um, I, you know, just went through a, a breakup and uh, like, it's just, it's been like a really great creative season and I'm constantly working on it. I'm always writing. It's awesome. And it doesn't feel like work. Like, it's just what I love to do. And we're collaborating more. And that has been a lot of where our time has gone lately regarding band stuff. Yeah. I... It's about, about to get busier though, because we're about to announce that tour. And I'm about to be, you know, a social media lady again and like start promoting it. And because I'm still managing it, like Sky's booking it, but I'm responsible for promoting it. Right. Yeah, which you got to do or you won't have Sky acting as your agent six months from now if you don't got to hold up your Absolutely. end of the bargain i get it um <laughs> somebody in the chat room said do you break up with guys a lot to get song ideas <laughs> no. uh, we won't go into your personal life um all right so have you seen more results from social media um, or the videos that you've put on YouTube. Can, can Whoops, let me get rid of that email. Can you attribute any one thing to like, wow, that's really working out best? Um, I'm sorry, I don't think I, would you mind? Rephrasing what? that? All right. Um, yeah. Your videos are really good and it sounds like you're working social media. Have you found that one thing or the other, have the videos on YouTube been as impactful, let's say, as Facebook or Insta for you guys? 
I think it's that's an interesting question because I think at live shows you can see like the impact you're having on people right in front of you. It's instant. They come up after you after there is engagement. You make a friend, you make a fan, you make you know it's an instant thing. And I think social media a lot a lot of times feels like you're just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks and like you don't see that it's sticking, but you just keep on doing it. And then before you know it, your audience is doubled, tripled, and they're singing the words, and you don't know these people. They just saw you in line. And so I think, like, I don't know if this answers your question, but I didn't know that social media was working until I saw that. And I think that's pretty cool. I think Instagram is probably our biggest platform. Instagram and Facebook, I have them linked so that one post goes on both. Right. Um, do you guys collect email addresses? You know what? We don't. And I know we should. I know that that's like a big thing. We should. It is. <laughs> it, 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 it's my experience as the person running taxi for 32 years is that our email list is by far our big and biggest revenue generator. Uh, we once ran a special, I'm giving out uh, company secrets here, but this isn't that secretive, but we did um, a discounted thing and we ran it, uh, we bought ads and ran it on, I think we bought ads on Instagram, if I'm not mistaken. And anyway, we did the same promotion on Instagram, probably Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and then sent out an email to our email list, which is everybody on the list asked to be on the list. They want to see our listings every day. And we generated thousands of dollars from the emails and generated zero dollars from the social media. So I encourage you, start building. You want somebody at every one of your shows collecting email addresses. Um, come up with some sort of contest like... Uh, spend a weekend on the road with the band. Um, uh, yeah, go go in the studio for, uh, when we record our next song, something like that. Um, print up, That's a good idea. yeah, print up a couple dozen t-shirts uh, and see, you know, if you give your email address, um, you go into a hat and we pick two t-shirt winners tonight at the end of the show. Stuff like that, build your mailing list. I cannot tell you how much money um, you're missing out on by not doing that. So there you go, free free marketing advice. Um, looking for more Thanks. apropos questions. You're welcome. Um, I've got that covered, got that covered. Cool. Um, I'm going to open it up to viewer questions now, and I will see them in the chat and then filter them to you guys, because I've seen some people in the chat room that normally aren't in the chat room. And I think because the topic is different than what we normally cover, that they're going to be um, asking some questions. So you guys, if you have a question, please type question, the word question in all caps. Um, and let me know if you have something specifically for Maddie or something for Angelo um, or for both or either. And let's see what you want to know. And while they are typing out their questions, um, nope, that's not a question. Um, what's the funniest thing? What, what's like the funniest road story you've got? Okay. 
We have a lot. Okay. I have one off the top of my head. Um, so the bus stopped working. It's just, it just, it was the first breakdown. We were on our way to a gig, and I'm like, oh, no. You know, we all just, we were like, no, on the side of the road. And, you know, that's part of it, but it sucks when it's got, when it's happening. <laughs> and Angelo, uh, we took it to an auto parts. We got it to an auto parts. Literally broke down in the parking lot. Nice. Of an auto that was parking. convenient. And Angelo got the code, and it was a, it was a what was it? A coil engine yeah, coil. Ignition coil. Ignition ignition coil. Well, he opens up the, he takes the seat out, opens up it, the part to. Sorry, I can't talk. Finds a rat's nest. She knows all the technical jargon. But the, the main point here is finds a rat's nest. Under your hood? In there. Just bought this bus, and there was a stowaway, a rodent, traveling with us. Because that's why, like, the it ate it or something. So O'Reilly, <laughs> O'Reilly, the, the guys there, they brought us out a little vacuum cleaner, and we, we just stuck it in the engine and gobbled up all the, the polyfill stuff they were using, whatever it was, I don't know. And... Switched, switched out the coil, good as new. And we got to the gig. Yep. Wow. On time. You know, funny you Great. bring up rats. Uh, I was parked in my driveway coming home from work Wednesday night of last week talking to a longtime taxi member who's become a friend over like 30 years. And while I'm sitting there staring at the front of our house, I noticed a couple of rats coming down a cable wire that are coming from the roof down to the ground. And... Um, they were like climbing down face first and doing it like they own the place. And I thought, I need to kill those rats. Uh, I do not like rats. They are, don't have bushy tails like squirrels. So rats got to go. I mean, I didn't need to, you know, I wasn't feeling murderous, but I felt like they needed to be moved to another neighborhood. And um, heaven seemed like uh, the right neighborhood for them to go to. So anyway, went out and bought some rat traps. Put them out in front of the house right where the cable drops down to the ground and i watched on my ring doorbell cam this morning both traps were turned over with no rats in them and i watched an entire family of like 10 rats walked up one of them tripped the trap and the rest of them ate the peanut butter off the trap and then they waved goodbye and said thank you and they split so no rats were harmed in the making of that video. Um, so yeah, there you go. <laughs> For you animal lovers out there, I tried to kill those rats, but I failed. So somebody's telling me something. All right, so we've got some questions I want to cover here. Um, Andre wants to know, which software do you use for your videos when you're doing your DIY videos? Um, what do you shoot? What do you edit on? So... Oh man, let me try to remember the, the camera we had. Um, it was Pete's camera. Yeah, it was, but, but that doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't help him at least. We um, it's a Canon Canon Seven EOS or something like that. Yeah, an EOS. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, and yeah. that's what we shot on. Uh, he gave us some lenses. Like there's, a, we had a wide lens. Um, um, it was very, like, if you're used to using the smartphones for shooting and stuff and you get the auto 
this and your phone takes care of all of the little like details and preferences and stuff that's like advanced technology and right um it's all done for you but i like as cameraman and director was kind of not experienced in trying to learn what the best settings were for like exposure and frame rate and like uh temperature balance and stuff like that and, actual photography um, <laughs> There's there's definitely room for improvement on the on the cameraman part of our DIY shoots, and there's room for improvement on our editing too. Now, what do you edit on? Do anything. Uh, Clipchamp, which is maybe laughable a little bit. Microsoft uh, supplies that software for free to anybody who's got Windows, and I just um, we never had any high editing requirements for anything that we've done DIY, so it's just a matter of stitching clips together, and Clipchamp's enough to do that, and the interface is easy to work with. It's very, uh, it's like it's like a low power, just the essentials, you know. Yeah. Uh, well, it certainly works. Um, Maddie, can you please tell our viewers um, describe your pitches to venues? What do you put in those emails? Oh yeah, sure. Um, so I. Um, I try to find out, you know, the name of the person who's booking, but some, it's not always available. So sometimes I just say hello, or or I'll say, hello, Michael, you know, yeah. <laughs> and I'll, I'll say, my name is Maddie. Oh, this is interesting. Okay, you might find this interesting. This is a big learning curve for me. Okay, at first when I booked shows, I would say, my name's Maddie. I'm a singer in a band. We're in a band. Can you let us play? <laughs> and I found that if I, well, I didn't say it just like that, but you know what I mean. Um, and I found that if I said, my name's Maddie, I represent Indre. They are a pop rock band from acting like I have nothing to do with the band and I'm representing them and I'm not in the band. You know what I mean? People took me more seriously. It's so, like, I'm so, I'm not even saying, like, if I said I was in the band, um, I had a lot less success than if I said I represented the band. So it, I don't really think it's lying. I represent no, it's the not. You you are representing the band. You're doing the work. I think that's legit. Um, yeah. Maybe it's but, a so little bit of that. a. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I did that. I just like I represent the band. They are going to be in town. Um, we're looking at either Thursday, blah blah blah, or Friday, blah blah blah. And um, I would say. Um, I would tell if I, I would say if they had hist if we had history in the market where we played, um, check us out right here. I kept it pretty short and sweet. Yeah, always link back to the socials and maybe a recent video or something. I, I put my link our link tree in there. The link tree has social media videos. And are you um, able to check your link tree to see which videos they click on most often? Yes, the analytics are on there. Um, and which link have you found to be? kind of the common thread that most often, most frequently gets clicked by the venues? A lot of our music videos get clicked. Um, the website has quite a few clicks too. The website link is on there as well. Um, they all get quite a few. I would say the videos get like the best engagement. It doesn't and tell me if the venues are, it just says the numbers of how many clicks it has had. Right. Um, yeah, you might want to set up separate 
a separate link tree that only goes out to venues so that you can track those specifically um, and separately from fan engagement. Um, and, and that way you'll be able to see which of, God, I feel like I'm on stage at the road, really. Um, can't stop teaching. But by doing that, you'll be able to see which videos they click most often. And my theory is, because uh, I've seen this when I reach out to companies uh, for business to business stuff with taxi, when you get attention from that first person, they will then reach out to other people in their company. So the booker uh, at the club might reach out to a bartender or somebody else at the club and go, hey, I really like this band. What do you guys think? So you'll see multiple clicks from the same entity or on the same day or the same time. And that tells you that they're deeply engaged versus curiously engaged. Um, yeah. So... Um, for the different types of gigs, now um, you're doing some stuff where you're doing originals and then others where you're doing pub gigs. Do you have video content that is more pub gig friendly that you send links specifically to that? Or do you send just here's the link tree um, to everybody? Do they get the same stuff? Well, truthfully, we haven't been a cover band in a long time. So we, we do play pub gigs, but when we play those pub gigs, I still market us as an original band. Oh, good. And I say that like, I, I say that we have covers in our sets, um, like well-known pop rock covers. So, but we also play our original music. And I don't usually have any problems getting those gigs. Like they don't care that we're not a cover band. Great. Um, what percentage on those pub gigs, what percentage of songs that you play are covers versus originals? Well, I'd say we have, we're going on almost two hours of original material now with wow. the new stuff that's not released. Mm -hmm. We have a bunch of new stuff that's not out yet. I'm so excited. But um, we usually play an hour, hour and 15 of covers, depending on the length of the set. If it's a two hour set, it's really original heavy. And we might do five to eight covers in there. Um, but if it's like a three hour set, usually an hour of covers just sprinkled in through the original music. Um, somebody asked, where do you record? Do you record at home or do you record in a pro studio? Tell us about your process. So we've been, so the last batch of songs we did, we recorded at um, this place called Sand Records. It's right here in Akron, Ohio. Um, Kirk Baglia owns it. Um, he has been our recording engineer. He's also mixed our music. He's great. That's where we've been recording. Yeah. I'm excited for um, the upcoming batch of songs, too, and the demos that we're going to be making, because I do want to learn a little bit more about producing. I mean, I'm definitely nowhere near as professional as places that we've been with before, but uh, it does seem like a fun area to explore. We're going to be doing our demos in-house here, and then we'll we'll go to a studio to get like drums and vocals, but we can track a lot of stuff remotely. Actually. Right. Mm -hmm. What a world we live in. All right. I'm looking yeah. to see if I've got any questions that I've missed. Anybody else has any questions? Be great to hear from you. Um, ooh, Jimmy Carvalho's in the house. Hey, Jimmy, how are you? I haven't seen you in a while. Uh, here's a question or 
Oh, yeah. Songs from a Headband says, question, it was fun seeing you and your brother at the Taxi Road Rally. Maddie, uh, you were great at the Stephen Memmel's class. What did you learn from that class? For, from which, which class? I'm sorry. Uh, Stephen Memmel, the performance coach guy. Oh, man, that was so cool. Um, oh, man, it was just... It was just cool to, to listen to him. And, like, um, it was really funny because he had me get up and sing. And he talked a lot about one thing I thought was really interesting that he said was that when you start performing your songs, even though you wrote your songs, you kind of, the meaning of your songs kind of goes away. And like, you're not to say like I'm in every performance, like I'm present in every performance, but he said that if you reread your lyrics and like remind yourself of what it means, before you go sing it that your performance just will have so much more depth and like i sang a song and he's like what line did you just sing he's like say it to me and i had to like think i couldn't even say the line because i'm so used to just <laughs> singing the line yeah and that makes sense like most people can't say the star spangled banner but they can sing it no problem you know what i mean right it's muscle memory mm -hmm. and it was just like I'm going to totally reread all of my lyrics before we go out on the road again. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, Memo's a great nice. teacher. Um, years ago, maybe 15, 20 years ago, when I was just getting to know Stephen, um, I had him do a thing on the main stage in the Grand Ballroom at the rally. And he had asked me to pick somebody. So it was a really good indie folk duo, a husband and wife. Um, and Mike and Ruthie were their names. There still are their names, I'm pretty sure. And they got up there. Their songs were great. Their sound was great. Everything about them was great. But they were shoegazers. They got up there and just strummed their acoustic guitars and played their fiddle and kind of just delivered the song. But it was pretty blasé. And he said, OK, put your instruments down, and I want you to do this on stage. So he had them wagging their arms and shaking their legs and, and literally walking around like imitating chickens in front of a thousand people in that ballroom. And frankly, I was a little embarrassed for them. And I thought, geez, Memo, I don't know, man. You might have just like, like ruined their entire career. Uh, and he said, okay, now that you've done that, go pick up your instruments and do the same song again. And everybody in the ballroom was just absolutely amazed at this three-minute transition, how these people had really good songs, really good sound, great singers, great players, but kind of boring. And, and all of a sudden, they were an act, literally like in an instant. So uh, the funny thing was, Road Rally ended on a Sunday night. My staff and I are obviously exhausted. You know, you talked about it's like getting married all the time, um, you know, coordinating a video shoot. Well, the Road Rally is, you know, a hundred different speakers and it takes an intense amount of coordination afterwards we're all just exhausted and the last thing we want to do is anything related to taxi or music for a few days or weeks <laughs> and uh, we went to see mike and ruthie play the 24 hours after the road rally ended we went to see them play a gig and it was magical I could not believe what an impact Stephen Memel had on them. So I'm glad that you guys went to that class. Um, you should look for his videos online and, and watch them. You, 
there are a lot of I will. a lot of people out there that claim to teach performance stuff and i say what are their credentials but memel's got great credentials and i've seen him work the magic so there you go um let's see we've got some more questions that came in um who are your musical influences angelo and i are different we are different yes. um but we both grew up listening to rock music because of our parents <laughs> and that has always been my favorite like i really love it i love the classics and then i love a lot of newer stuff too and um to be specific, I guess, um, of course I love, like, Led Zeppelin. Um, you mentioned the Eagles. I love the Eagles. The harmonies, the songwriting. Oh, amazing. Uh, mm -hmm. I've, I've seen them a couple times. That was, those, oh my gosh. Uh, and then I like, I like Paramore, of course, Alanis Morissette. If you want to talk about something a little bit modern, um, Mm, trying to think. Love rock music. I love pop music too. Um, talking Heads. Mm. I like. I love Talking Heads. I really like um, Miley Cyrus's new album. So good. I could go on and on. I listen to a lot of different music. Angelo, your turn. Yeah. <laughs> I just talked to. So uh, I think that the majority of music I digest is very very much of the same genre as the music that we produce. Okay. But um, if that's okay, and it still definitely does shine through, and I do feel like I'm influenced in the way that I want to make music and write. And um, I, I guess I listen to lots of, like, like al alternative rap and R&B and stuff, and some of my favorite artists and some of my um, idols are, like, Tyler, the Creator, and Mac Miller, and other artists in that vein. I really enjoy them and what they do as artists. Interesting. Yeah, not a lot of crossover for you guys, even though you grew up in the same house, same parents, and the same stuff being played. It's funny, I've got a 23-year-old daughter and a 27-year-old daughter. And the 27-year-old, um, uh, at one point, was a very serious singer-songwriter and starting to co-write with like people that are signed to big publishing deals. Wanted nothing to do with me. She actually changed her last name so nobody in the industry would know she was related to me because she wanted to prove she could do it on her own. And she and I used to sit in our driveway um, and listen to CDs of classic bands, you know, whether it was a lot of stuff that I worked on, like Clapton or Crosby, Sills, Nash & Young. Beatles, which I didn't work on, but I would have loved to. Uh, and she really absorbed that stuff. And her sister is only three and a half years younger, grew up in the same household. They have like very, very, very different musical tastes. So that doesn't surprise me that you guys are so different. Um, Ewart Williams wants to know from you, Maddie, who do you get told that you resemble? Resemble. Looks wise, yeah. And I want to pre-qualify that because I've been, you know, watching their videos and looking at their social media and stuff. Maddie doesn't always look the same. She's a bit of a chameleon. Like how she looks today is not necessarily how she looked three hours ago or a week ago. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. My hair was purple at Road Rally. Right. It was purplish and now it's blonde. And naturally, if br I'm a brunette. 
Um, <laughs> I don't know, like, I, who do you, I don't know. Um, the first thing that came to mind when you asked that question is actually who she resembles vocally. And the I'm one, sorry, I thought uh, maybe, it. maybe no, he meant that. that. I don't know. Maybe I read it wrong. Um, I'll just give another take. Um, Maddie mentioned earlier that we do dreams by the cranberries, and uh, so many times I've heard comments from people in the audience that they thought that she sounded like, um, <laughs> forgive me, I can't remember her name, Dolores. Dolores. Uh, and then, like, as soon as they think, you know, she sounds like Dolores, suddenly we break into dreams, and they're like, <laughs> thinking that we. That's a pretty cool compliment. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I look like anyone. I don't really get told that I look like anyone. She's like um, Zoe Deschanel. <laughs> Not right now. I got blonde hair. <laughs> right. Blonde Zoe. Um, okay. Songs from a headband commented. Maddie in that class with Memel. It was super funny when Memel asked you a question. You started by saying honestly, and Memel immediately said, no, lie to me. That's my friend that. Steve. Um, I really, I, I had a unique experience getting to watch him work with her, just being her brother. And I mentioned earlier, we've got a s sort of telepathic sense of humor, so I could pick up on kind of all kinds of funny moments up there, you know? Well, he, like, we get into these this thing where I can't even look at him because I'll laugh so hard. And it'll just be this nonstop thing. We can just read each other's faces so well. He was up there, like, moving my head around as I'm singing. <laughs> and Angela's just like... And I was like, I can't look at Angela right now. <laughs> um, how close are you guys in age? We're, uh, like, two years apart. And who's older? I'm older. I'm 24. Okay. He's 22. Wow. Young people. Um... All right, so when did, let's talk about, first of all, what is your, tell everybody what your website is and where they can find your link tree and your socials, all that good stuff. So we are, um, our website is www.indremusic.com. So I-N-D-R-E is our band name, music.com. And Indre we're on all music. the social media, like Instagram, it's Indre Music as well. Um, TikTok and Facebook is Indre Band. Okay. So if you look up Indre, it, it pops up. But uh, we're on everything. Great. I'll have Liz post some of that stuff in the chat as well so that people that watch the video a week from now or a month from now can also do it. Um, and when does the next tour start? March 8th. It runs March 8th through May 5th. Um, can you rattle off some of the cities you'll be in? Because I encourage taxi members oh, yeah. to go see them live. Um, they're fairly sedate. I mean, I, I've seen you in videos where you're like jumping two feet off the stage and um, pretty rock and roll. So, uh, uh, first of all, I feel like I'm going to go nuts this winter, not being able to perform until March. That. I can't even, like, I know that it's a creative season, but I'm just so excited to do it again. Um, we're going to be starting here in Akron. Then we hit Columbus. Um, then we're going to be going down into, like, Blacksburg. We're going to hit Blacksburg. Some Carolina towns that we've been in, like uh, Winston-Salem, Raleigh. Um, and then we're going to hit um, Memphis, Nashville, 
I think I may have messed up the order there. I don't know. But we're going to make our way down into Texas. And that's when we link up with the Happies. That's when we start touring with them. Um, they haven't given us, like, the specific venues and dates yet. Gonna, they are, like, within the next couple of weeks or so. But we're going to end up announcing it by the end of the year. But I know that we're hitting, like, all the college towns in Texas. Like, we're spending, like, a week, week and a half in Texas. And then Arizona, we're there for, like, four days, five days, playing like four or five shows there, college towns. And then we hit California and we're going to be going like just all through. I think we're spending like a good two weeks in California. Um, going to be in LA, going to be in San Diego, going to be in um, some other towns. And then we're going to go up north. Like we're going to play Berkeley, going to play um, San Francisco. We're going to play just really all over bouncing all over college towns, big cities there. And then we get up to, into the Pacific Northwest where we're going to be doing some Oregon shows, a couple shows in Washington. And then we, then we break off from the happies. Then we're on our own again for two weeks and we're going to be playing uh, through Montana, um, North Dakota, South Dakota. I got to look. And then we get into, like, he has this, like, in Minneapolis, and then um, Madison, Wisconsin. I think we're playing Milwaukee, too. I'm totally messing up the order. I need a map. <laughs> That's okay. okay. Probably... Um, well, back down into... I hope that the people watching the show, uh, whether they're with us live today or, or see it in the future, keep tabs on the tour and go support you guys when you are in their towns. And I promise you that if I'm in Los Angeles, when you're in Los Angeles, I will come out and see you and I'll bring the staff with me. And uh, you guys just keep up the hard work. Um, I, I really am inspired by the fact that you're not afraid of doing the work. So many people want to live the dream and they think that all I have to do is write pretty songs and make great music and everything else will fall into place because my music is so good that everybody will gravitate toward me and my music. And you're actually doing the heavy lifting. And that's the difference with my 50 years of experience. People who make it in this industry and people who let the dream die because they don't do the work. So... Congratulations to you both. I think it's pretty awesome. And uh, please do keep us surprised of, of your um, progress. Stay in touch. And uh, Peter Rahill wants to know where do you post your itinerary? I'm sure it'll be on their website, Peter. Um, everywhere. It'll be on their website, Instagram, yeah. everywhere. Um, great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do the show today. It was a pleasure to have you both find my buttons here ladies Thank and gentlemen oh you are so welcome um yeah, yeah I, I just i want to be able to say i saw it i knew it and there they are you know like two years from now um when you guys i, I love the video where you talk or an interview where you talked about the first time you heard one of your songs on the radio and uh i know that feeling first 
full album I ever got to work on. I heard it on the radio with my parents in the car when I was like 20 years old. And I'm like wiping tears from my eyes and they're looking at me like, what the hell's your problem? Um, but it's a pretty magical moment. So I hope you guys have a lot of those in front of you. Thank you so much for being on the show and want to let you guys in the viewing audience know that next week's show... Where did I write that? Uh, we're going to do a You're in the A&R Hot Seat, where you guys are picking the winners and the non-winners, and we will see you then for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Bye-bye, you guys. Bye.